eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome you, dear listener, to yet another new installment of the beloved number one podcast, In Bed with Nick and Megan, starring the illustrious Nick Offerman. Good day. Featuring Megan Mullally. And today, special, special, extra, super special guest star, Nicole Holof Center. Friend and hero. Yeah. <laughs> Famous Hollywood screenwriter and director. Yes. I'm so famous. Yeah, so she's a woman. How about that? A woman has directed movies. I don't know. In case you didn't know that, it has happened. And we have the exemplar of that in our bed. We're in our bed. It's so very comfortable. Record this. I need I need bigger pillows like this on my bed. I always end up hitting the headboard. Oh yeah. So this is the, this is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Hi guys, thanks Hi, for having Nicole. me. Hi Nicole. Thank you for coming here. <laughs> she's been to our house before, but not in our bed, I don't It's think. kind of a dump. I know. Yeah. Makes me feel it's, bad for you. Yeah, it's a, it's a real mess. It's not that it's messy, it's more just dirty. Mm-hmm, it's very dirty, yeah. yeah. We don't clean. I mean, what? why would? Why should we? Yeah. We're it's, celebrities. Well, I mean, you know, we're, we're all made up of the molecules around us, so... Right. Those stains and puddles, it's just part of us. It yeah. is. That's how self-involved we are, and we just want to keep us around us. Yeah. At all times. So, Nicole. Megan. Uh, we're going to talk about your accomplishments. Let's, let's talk about those first. Oh, let's okay. talk about some of the accomplishments. Now, I, I will say that I first knew about you because you directed the great movie Walking and Talking. That was in the nine, that was in the nineties. 95, I or 96 it came out, yeah. Mm -hmm. And thank you. And my, I was very good friends with the actress Catherine Keener for many, many years. 
And she was the star of your movie. So I had gone to see it because I was friends with Catherine. I didn't know that. Did I know that? I didn't Maybe meet you not. through Catherine. No. I met you through Nick. Well, no, we met. We had lunch oh, together. We did. In Santa Monica. Because <laughs> I wanted, yeah, I wanted to, this, you would not remember this because it was an actress who wanted to be in your movies. I wanted to be in your movies. So somehow I, my agent persuaded you to have lunch with me and we met. At some place, and I think it was in Santa Monica. How long ago? On the west side. Oh, it was so long. It was around that time. It was probably, oh, oh it might have been after Will and Grace started. So it was yeah. sometime between 1998 and two I'm sure I was very happy to do it you and excited so to meet you. Nice. I just remember nothing. Yeah, I don't either. I have a terrible uh, memory. Yeah. You were so nice, and I guys... definitely felt like we were going to be friends. And now we are friends. Yay. So, and that's what came out of it. Do you not remember that I was your waiter that day? Oh, man. You know, I, that's yeah. really crazy. And that's when I, I, I learned I that Megan that loves yellow mustard. <laughs> but wait, you were not no, together. No, he's kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. He's just, he's <laughs> having you on. He's having <laughs> you on. I have not been a waiter. So um, then what's the, what's the movie after? I'm not a Lovely and story. Amazing. Lovely and Amazing. It might have been around the time of that. When did that mm -hmm. come out? 2001. You think I'm going to remember the dates of these things? I don't remember meeting you. I, I Googled you right before we started. Lovely and so amazing. I, I know you. that my kids were three when I was shooting that. So it was 2000. Okay. I think it came out, according to the internet, Nicole, it came out in 2001. So me. So there we go. Um, Let's just so my kids are now, actually older. Then I now I, they're I, older. I, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hate to break it to you. This yeah. is how we found out. Um, so that's how we met. And then after that, I guess since you don't remember that, um, we also knew each other through Nick. Yeah. And how did you guys know each other? I think just from me auditioning for your oh yeah for your work twice um, I think mm -hmm. for the same part. Perhaps. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough business. Um, it's funny because that character got cut out of the movie. So yeah, there you go. It happens. It didn't, and it didn't happen to you. I really, I never, um, I think it's uh, advisable to learn quickly not to take things personally, even when they're, mm -hmm. even when they're incredibly personal. <laughs> when you, when you read for a TV pilot and you find out that they thought you were fat or just what, you know, whatever the insulting note was, yeah, you're just like, well, you shrug and say, okay, maybe, you know, maybe next year they'll want a thicker fellow <laughs> for their product. That's good. So, but that was fairly recently. I mean, not super recent, but within the last in what the, was recent? Seven or eight in the mid aughts? Oh no, it was it was before Parks and Rec. It was, it was oh, friends was? with money, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And um, but yeah. Yeah, so it was quite exciting for me because I was unknown. I'll tell you what the internet says about what year that was. I remember Jeannie McCarthy. That was two thousand six, and she was like, "He's a really good carpenter." <laughs> <laughs> He's hired. Jeannie McCarthy is we. I love to champion. I love to name champion casting directors mm -hmm. whenever possible. Yeah, because they're such unsung heroes. Yeah. and they're so. And anybody who has any success in this town has benefited from the uh, the incredible um, acumen of and generosity and persistence of great casting directors. She's so persistent and 
I often, not often, but sometimes I don't listen to what she's saying. And I say, no, 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 you don't get it. And she's always right. Yeah. I regret, you know, certain people I did cast when she was pushing for somebody else. And she was like, you don't understand. They can do this. They can do that. And um, yeah, she's done most of my movies. They have a great gut casting. Mm -hmm. And usually they're really like prescient um uh, who's going to become perceptive yeah. ladies? They're usually powerful women. Yeah. Yeah. the best casting directors, and they yeah. There's something about they read your script, they know you and what you like, and they say what you're looking for. Yeah, is such and such. Hmm. Yeah, and then we disregard them. it. Right. <laughs> and you say no. He's yeah. too fat. Uh, <laughs> so I just we just found I just found out right before we started recording also, that you wrote the screenplay for Can You Ever Forgive Me with Melissa McCarthy. I did. Got I adapted a lot the of memoir. attention this past did. award season. Yeah, it was quite a ride. That's great. It was yeah. a great film. Thank but you. I, I mean, we I... We have to credit the director, Marielle Heller. Yeah, I, she I really, did a great job. really like that movie, but I also am a huge fan of the movies that you've written and directed. Thank you. Yeah. And when, when we introduced you and you said, uh, sort of, uh, under your breath, mm. I'm super famous. Oh. I, it made me want to say, I, I believe we're huge fans of your work, which is substantial and very important in our age. But I firmly think you're still on your way. Like, I, I think you're, hmm. you continue to get better and better. And you're, I think you're, I think you're maybe, halfway to one-third of your way into your illustrious career. Wow, really? That's what my shrink says, too? I agree. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought I was kind of winding down. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> Bad news. I am getting... Um, <laughs> thank you very much. I hope that's the case. Um, aging in Hollywood is a little bit of a scary thing, you know, and um, yeah. I'm no spring chicken, so uh, yeah. one Join never knows. Club. Yeah. I... Um, that movie did, um, because it did get so much attention, Can You Ever Forgive Me? I am getting all these new opportunities to work with people I never would have or jobs I never would have. And that makes me feel like, oh, I can try this and I can do that. And I am kind of in the middle of something instead mm -hmm. of um, the end of it. And yeah. that's a great life lesson that we learn all the time. You know, nothing ever, even if it goes great, it never goes the way you think. Right. because. You create a fantasy based on stories you've heard, and you're like, well, I'd like to audition for a show and have it turn out like Friends. And then <laughs> nothing goes remotely that way, but what successes you do have lead you to what your actual victory was supposed to be in the first place. Yeah. I think in any walk of life, in any profession, uh, or, or, you know, if... if Job. Yeah, or if you don't, if you don't have a job, if you're a homemaker, I mean, things are always evolving and changing and, you know, things don't happen in a linear fashion. Things don't just go from point A to point B in a straight line. I mean, they take a circuitous route. So mm -hmm. you never know. I, I didn't get well and grace till I was almost 40, but it, it's not, we're, we keep talking about the entertainment industry a lot, um, but I think it applies to any career or just any life path that you've chosen you just never know what's right around the next corner it could, could be something amazing yeah i was 35 when i directed walking and talking you're kidding so 
wow. for those anxious 24-year-olds thinking right. they're losers. Mm -hmm. You know, that always does give a people, if I mentor somebody, they're like, really? I have time? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And yeah, if I'd made do. the movie 10 years before, I don't think it would have turned out very well. No. So, yeah, it took a long time. I was frustrated. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. It took a long time to, to get, get it to the made. point of ma making it. Yeah, yeah. getting it made, mm -hmm. yeah. So what we do on this show, it's pretty scientific. We ask each guest if they have a topic that they would like to discuss. Mm -hmm. And Nicole came in and thrilled us all by saying she was sort of drawn to talking about the idea of bullying. Oh. Now, this is not a list we send. These are, we just give, you know, um, we've, we've had time travel. So it's really run the gamut. God, I'm glad that's not my topic. <laughs> no, it's not. It's definitely not your topic. Um, so let's uh, launch into a searing examination of bullying, shall okay. we? Yeah. Do you, is it, was it weird that she, that was her suggestion when I was threatening her with a yardstick? Um, I think it kind of makes sense. Well, in she was, certain look, way. She was yeah. looking in our fridge. Yeah. There you go. So what, that. I'm curious to know what it yeah. is that made you think of that topic or have that, yeah. what, it, why is that on your mind? I don't know actually mm. why that's on my mind. First of all, are you pro or against? <laughs> I'm totally pro bullying. Yeah. I mean, that is right. interesting, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. Um, I, you know, I don't know. You said, you know, suggested a, a topic and the first one that I thought, okay, she said something about firsts. And so I thought, well, is this about first kiss, first whatever? And then I thought the first time I was bullied just came into my mind. Mm. Um, and uh, so, you know, I have had a lot of experience being bullied and how that shapes people, including myself, is so interesting to me. Just like any other childhood trauma, we carry it with us um, forever mm -hmm. and you know, part of me always will still feel like, you know, the, the girl who gets bullied. Um, who was, what was your first experience of being bullied? Um, my first experience. So, um, I was in a public school in New York city and it was a really bad one and really dangerous and rough. And my mom got a scholarship for me to go to this real touchy feely school called sitting country school in the village. And that was the first place. Of course, the touchy-feely schools are sometimes the worst, you know, because they, they spout all this crap about, you know. Anyway. Um, like there's no discipline or no rules. Right. Yeah. But no one was watching and, and someone should have been. Um, I think I started, the, the school started really early and I came in late when I was seven, second grade. And I joined the class and immediately a Nicole Hating Club was formed. No, not exactly subtle, not exactly <laughs> passive aggressive. We hate you, and here's our club, and, and, oh my and you you're horrible. Yeah, <laughs> and I was so young, I I couldn't believe it. And then they decided to be my friend, and then there was another hating club for another little girl. Like these just little bitches just uh, went on. So I I got it early. Was and it boys and girls or just the girls? I only remember, it's just girls. Ew, boys were like, it's too bad. They didn't care. Yeah, it, I guess that was pretty devastating. And then um, I think, I feel like I had, you know, like a sign on my back mm -hmm. in the way that it kept happening. And, um, or that I was just drawn to these kids. 
who seemed the most interesting, the most fun, funny, um, sarcastic. And I was the funny girl too, you know? Um, but I had a vulnerability that I think they could just smell a mile away. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I was usually bullied by people who were my friends. Yeah. Not strangers. I think that's why it's so painful mm -hmm. too. I didn't know the Nicole Hating Club girls, but um, later on, you know, I became friends with someone, and then she decided, you know, no, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Um, and I kept defending them, like my mom. I, Can she come over? What do you mean? This is the one you were crying about three days ago. Oh, but she said she was sorry. Can she come over? And my mom would say, no, she can't come over. And I would defend her and beg. What's wrong with me? That's so interesting. <laughs> Can yeah. you help me? The thing that you said, of, of course, is the key to it, that when you're a vulnerable, empathic person who just wants to be friends with everybody, and mm -hmm. they smell it a mile away. Yeah. And those are the people that, you know, these people prey on. I mean, I've, yeah. I've been bullied. Um, I'm, I'm 60, and I've been bullied. I'm being bullied right now. <laughs> so, you know, it's a very insidious, dangerous thing. And I, mm -hmm. I never want to lose that kind of happy, innocent part of myself, but it's almost like you have to kill that to, but I, I'm, I never will. I, I, <clears throat> it's just who I, part of who I am. It's intrinsic to my nature. So I would and never in, be able to do And it. the bullies are the fucked up ones. You're not, right. I wasn't fucked up for being a vulnerable, needy kid who, yeah. you know, wanted to be a part of the cool kids. Right. They're fucked up. And, um, of course now I see that. And if my children were bullied or had been bullied, I would obviously see that, you know, but when you're in it, yeah, it's just, uh, so And you hurtful. think it's your fault. Right. You, you, well, that's what the... You know, they're good at making you feel that mm -hmm. it's you. It's well, when your you're, fault. You yeah. brought this on yourself. Right. Yeah. When you're an adult, though, it is more passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. No one just says, uh, you can't come in because this is a Megan hating club. Right. Mm -hmm. If only it was like that. Then you just say, right, I'm not going to be with this person. Mm -hmm. But when it's more subtle right. and uh, insidious. insidious, yeah. And yeah. in, in, as an adult in professional settings, mm -hmm. you've had it happen? I've had moments of it, not a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I have had from department heads. I've had a production designer, you know, no, that, no, it should look like this. No, it should look like that. And there's kind of this disdain because they probably feel insecure and right. I've rejected their um, suggestion. Mm -hmm. um, but they go to bullying. Um, same with a, a lot of costume people. And believe me, I've had great people too. And you know who you are. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, as if they know better. And, um, I'm, and you know, and I'm collaborative. I'll try stuff. It's not like I'm set in my ways. Sure, but, but ultimately, I mean, you. It's we're talking about projects on which you are the visionary. Right. You're the head. Everything branches out from how you think everything should be. Mm -hmm. So you have the person you've hired to pick a couch for the living room or to pick a blouse for the lead actress saying mm -hmm. to you, no, it should be this way. Mm -hmm. And you're ultimately, you're in a relationship that's, no, the end of the buck stops with me. Like I, yeah. I've taken your opinion and I'm saying, no, I want the blue shirt. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the end of it. Should be yeah. the end of it. Yeah. This, oh. The thing I've had happen is, um, 
so it's it's this is this is hard. It's tough because I'm not good at standing up to people, having boundaries, that kind of thing. So as I've gotten older, I thought, well, if anybody tried that on me now, I would try to defend myself. Mm. So you're still you. I'm still me. But the thing is that I, it, I've had a recent situation that I can't be specific about, but I had it happen and I did try to stand up for myself in certain ways. And that made it a thousand times worse because the person, the bully, was, it just lit a fire under that person mm. where they just tripled their efforts and got, it, it can get very dangerous. So that's why I don't really know what to say about it unless you have great advocates who can come in and help you and really take charge of the situation. This wasn't a work situation for me. Um, it's tough because the very nature of the bully is once they're challenged, then they really go yeah. to town. Once like you see. thought it was bad before, right. wait until you challenge them. And they them. gather a tribe. Most bullies will not yes. bully you alone. They want people yes, behind had, them. Yes, that has happened. Yeah. I've, I've been, I'm pretty much on my own. Mm -hmm. and, uh, in this situation because the bully has recruited many of my allies uh, to their side so that right. I'm not, they're not my allies anymore. And that's okay. So anyway, I'm dealing with it. But I did want to say that I was doing a play. I was supposed to go to Broadway. I was rehearsing for it. And the director was a horrible bully. And I quit the play. Good. Thinking this is what I need to do for myself. My mom, my husband, my best friend, and my manager all agreed that the only, my only recourse was to quit the play. And so I did. And at first it was okay. And then the director of the play started feeling like I might talk about why I'd quit. Mm -hmm. And so the director of the play came up with a whole false story as to why I had quit. I quit because of the director, but not wanting that to become public knowledge, even though that was completely this person's reputation, which I would, had not been aware of when I said I would do the play. Because uh, I'm not like, a, even though I've done a bunch of Broadway shows, I'm not a Broadway person. I don't live in New York. I don't, I just, they ship me in and I do one and then I go home. Anyway, because of all of that, uh, the director decided to come up with this elaborate story as to why, uh, you know, what he wanted people to believe the real, the other, the reason was that I'd quit the play, which wasn't the real reason. And so it turned into this whole thing. And um, I decided not to address it publicly because that would just, that just keeps it going. That was yeah. a very public thing that happened. Mm -hmm. It was running on a Chiron on CNN. Let's just put it that way. Wow. For the weekend, the wow. first weekend that it happened. <clears throat> and uh, it took uh, a under huge... The, under the, uh, you know, war in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. is the yes. Year, yeah. yeah. Wow. Took a huge toll on me. Um, I had a lot of health problems as a result. Um, mental, emotional toll that it took for years after. I have PTSD, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that I never was able to really 
clarify what had really happened. But I mean, I, I guess the story is just that you have, you know, it's just a, how do you, do, how do you handle it? Because I didn't, I'm glad I, I'm still to this day, I'm so glad I quit the play. Yeah. But what happened in the aftermath at the hands of this bully was, I mean, it can be very dangerous. Mm -hmm. I no. mean, you just don't, you don't run a rehearsal room in a, such a way that actors, and I'm not even talking about myself, are crying during rehearsal. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you're There's not. There's more a lot you, of directors you, that, yes. I, it's shocking. You don't push people to the point, you don't make yeah. people feel so bad about themselves and their talent that they're in tears. Yeah. It's something, it, to me, it's related to the Me Too movement in terms of like, in our business, if if somebody uh, is is uh, an incredibly funny comedian and they happen, let's just say that they're a monstrous bully as well. Mm-hmm. If they're making money, if their if their product is working, yeah. then they're allowed to continue being horrible. Actors as well, actors, especially yeah, actors across the board. Yeah, you know, and anybody in charge, it, that can be the case. And I'm I'm curious. I mean, I'm, and I'm hopeful that with uh, these issues being talked about in a in the public sphere, that it can begin to erode that power because we now have more of an ability. To say it, but you find yourself in these situations where a bully has spent their life orchestrating their world to protect themselves. So if you're in a work situation, like Nicole said, sort of the, obviously the first thing to do as an adult is say, okay, extricate myself from this situation. But if you sign a contract that says, I'm going to work on this, uh, whatever this project is for X number of years, then you have a dilemma, you know, and you, it has to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. But I, my question for you two is, do you think that by being, when you are bullied, when you're the victim of bullying, it is, the first thing to realize is that the, it's the bully who is the most miserable and fucked up person. It's I don't coming care. coming from their own insecurities <laughs> or lack of self-love. Yeah. Yeah. So Fear. And, and so because of of the unfairness of that, of the transaction and the relationship, do you think it improves your own ability to express empathy? Like, does it make you more well, I, of a compassionate person? I guess because you have to really take a step back and look at that person, at the bully, and try to understand what could possibly be motivating them. Mm -hmm. Because, you know... It, it can, it, because it can get so extreme, like in the case of the theater director I mentioned, in the case of the situation that I'm in right now, um, there, it's one thing to bully somebody, but it's another thing if you're feeling like you're going to get ex be exposed or if you're feeling like, how dare they try to stand up to me? How dare my, you know, my victim try to stand up to me? To then retaliate in a way that's actually dangerous where they're actively trying to i don't know ruin you right <laughs> right then you're you lose either way yeah yeah that um, sucks th this is gonna come across as funny or peculiar um given that i'm i'm known to be a uh, a very tough guy uh, yeah a, 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 a man sex maniac man, mm -hmm. as it were yeah okay 
cheekbones rivaled only by Antonio Banderas. That's, and even what, then, what they yeah, right. I didn't say it. Um, you're, you're the new cheekbones. No, when I when I was a kid, I specifically when bullying was presented, this immediately popped into my head. I think it was about eighth grade. Uh, I've, I come from a big farming family, and there was always lots of get-togethers, and the cousins always ran together, and it was really fun. Um, it was a wonderful childhood. Around eighth grade, maybe age 12 or 13, uh, I mean, I was already um, leaning towards, uh, I was in the swing choir, and I wanted to do plays when I got to high school, so I was, I was in the performing arts as much as I could be. Swing choir was like a little chorus group that did dance dances and songs. And I, my oldest cousin, uh, I remember specifically this one day at a big family picnic function at the farm, the kids were all running around and she pointed out to my siblings and our other cousins that I had my jeans pulled up too high mm. and said that I was a fag and they all started calling me a fag mm. and like chasing me around. And I went <laughs> went up to the top of the corn crib uh, <laughs> to get some uh, some me time and like <laughs> and cried. sat up there crying. Yeah. And I was like, I can't believe, like, why yeah. am I being treated this way? And I got a lot of that from, from you know, you can imagine uh, a kid with any propensity for jazz hands uh in that community <laughs> would be and it was it was a, it was a weird thing because i was also like on the football team and so i would i would sort of play both sides of the fence how old were you well i mean that that event was when i was like 13 mm -hmm. and then only when i got to college to theater school that's when i met my first like openly gay friends and i immediately felt empathy for so them. strongly yeah. like yeah. are you fucking kidding me these friends that like were terrified, like had, hadn't told their families that they were gay right. because of, of the incredible ostracizing that would come their way. And so I, I've always been astonished. And I mean, I guess then I became the, the thick uh, paragon of uh, axe swinging that I, that I am today. Um, but I, I, I always uh, am astonished by that part of human nature when we get together in a tribe that invariably and really without seemingly any putting any thought into it a group of kids will say uh hi we hate you we're going to form a club and it's what you said it's that sensibility of the predator somehow instinctively sensing victims yeah. mm -hmm. and saying okay i'm i'm going to get on top of you i'm going to destroy you to further elevate myself. I think some of it was jealousy. Um, the kids that did bully me, and I know all their names, Like, and everyone I know and love knows their names. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Beatrice and Tori. Beatrice and Tori. And uh, yeah, um, my family had money then, and mm -hmm. they didn't. And it didn't occur to me then. But then um, when I my family moved to L.A., in seventh grade, so I was 12 from New York, and these were my New York friends. And they knew that the house we got in LA had a pool and that we were getting a dog. Mm -hmm. And that just put them over the edge. They mm -hmm. sent me hate mail from New York <laughs> saying they hoped my dog would drown in my pool. Oh my God. These gosh. girls. And, um, but then as what? soon as I moved to LA, I found another one, another girl who could take their place. 
you know. Yeah, and um, yeah, and that How probably crazy that they that, that their that anger chased you. Yeah. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So what I wanted to know, though, back to what creates the type of person that bullies gravitate toward, the bullies know they can get away with it with. Um, so did you, what kind of household did you grow up in? I mean, was it happy? To- um, yeah, I don't know why I sought these kids out approval. They um, sought you out, yeah. Um, no, but I sought them out first as my friends. Oh, and they were my best friends. Oh, Yeah. You know, you I don't like know. A challenge. Uh, I guess I like a challenge. <laughs> um, I would say that in my childhood, I mean, there was divorce and, you know, normal, normal little childhood traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a very, very pretty sister. Mm. Um, and as soon as I started realizing that, which was probably around that age, I don't know if that has anything to do with me wanting to belong to a special group, but I... I didn't get the special treatment she got from boys. She was only two years older than me. Or from the world. You know, Mm. it's different when you look normal and then your sister's really, really pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe that was it. Trying to, you know, trying to get somebody to like me the most. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe. My, I grew up with an only child and my father was an alcoholic and he was extremely verbally and emotionally abusive Mm. to me Mm -hmm. and to my mother. Um, And it was a constant. It was pretty much every day. Everything I did was wrong and I just got screamed at. Um, I mean, he was calling me a bitch and a slut when I was eight. and I didn't know what the words meant. Wow. So, you know, that's where I get it from. Um, So I've had, you know, a whole life That's of like trying to, to overcome, overcome. Yeah. when your own parent tells you you're worthless. Yeah. How do you so rise above that? Another thing that happens to me when somebody, when I'm not pleasing someone is that, you know, I've made a little bit of progress, but not, not as much as I'd like, is I, I'm instantly shattered. Like mm-hmm. I don't have the reserves of, I don't have the strength emotionally or mentally or even physically um those come in a bottle by the way oh good yeah (laughs) well i order them on amazon yeah oh shoot all this time i didn't even know um fixed so but i just don't have the reserves to but it's like i i can be 
morally outraged for a couple of days, but then I just crumble, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Mm -hmm. not okay. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. make anything fine, but I think that I'm just a prime target. And I thought I had washed my hands of all of that after the experience in the theater, but now this whole new thing has come up again with a person that I had had an experience of this with years ago, same person, um, not that, not the theater director, another person, but it's the same. I, I've had two experiences with the person who I'm having a, a thing with the trouble. So I'm very disappointed in myself for not being able to perfectly handle it and to, you know, it, it makes me mad at myself and, uh, yeah. The situation that I happen to know you're in, mm-hmm. um, which it would be scary. Had, let me just say, yeah. I had not told anyone about the situation. <laughs> and um, you and I just accidentally started talking like right before this and it came out. But it was after you'd picked the bullying topic, I will say. Yes. It, it was it not was. connected to no, no. this being the topic. But I'd be worried if you didn't crumble. I mean... Yeah, from over here I you can see it. Of course, that's... if it doesn't bother you, you're a sociopath, right? <laughs> Basically, yeah, or you're a bully, yeah. you know, and yeah. then you wouldn't be getting bullied in the first yeah. place. Every time but I it's make very Trump, Sorry. and I hate to say that word, mm-hmm. but it is very Trump because mm-hmm. it is reminiscent of the way that he behaves in all matters all the time. Yeah, predator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you? I, I interrupted you. So. No. Um. Every time I make a movie. I think I'm going to do it better this time. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to hire better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to communicate better, shoot better, everything better. And it just doesn't work like that. It just is not a straight line, you know. But I think that I am getting better at certain things. Like I I feel and I like to believe that I wouldn't put up with what I had put up with mm-hmm. when I was bullied by certain people. Yeah. Um I think I'm getting stronger, but I'm still me. I still, after every film, it's like, I didn't think I did that better. Um, you yeah. know, we're all so hard on ourselves. Yes. No matter what. Right. But what else can you do but like look at yourself and say, what is it about me that's attracting this? What is it about me that's allowing this? I was always desperate for a laugh. I was mm-hmm. a clown mm-hmm. and still am mm-hmm. kind of a clown. And, um, I was the funny one in school, mm-hmm. and I think that made me very vulnerable. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They could just tell they could get to me. And it's funny, too, because um, in junior high school with the other bullies, the worst thing you could call someone like you is gay. And they decided I was a dyke. Oh. For absolutely, like, I, I didn't know what it meant. Right. Um, and... It, you know, it, it's traumatizing. Like, do they see something I don't see? Is there something wrong with me? Um, it was just so cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, Nick, you have three, you have a, two sisters and a brother. Mm-hmm. Two, your brother and one of your sisters are younger. Um, I have heard some stories when the family's like yucking it up around the Thanksgiving dinner table about certain things that you might have done to torment your siblings. Mm. But that's kind of, like I hate what, to say Megan? that's natural, but it's kind of natural for but the you older siblings to give the younger ones a hard time. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I certainly uh, was no angel, and I, 
I think I would hope that uh, my actions in actively tormenting my siblings <laughs> and, I, and my older sister as well. I was definitely of the four of us. I was the devil. <laughs> and, um, but, but I, it's all in the eyebrows. I've always, the story is told in the eyebrows. We've always had a love relationship between all four of us. Um, my little brother got it the worst because we were the two boys and he was seven years younger. So I couldn't, you know, we weren't close enough in age that we could like rough house together. Um, and he would, you know, it, it was more the kind of thing of like rambunctious. I'd get him going and we'd run around and like, but then I'd like hold him down. And actually that's, it's a good point. Uh, my mom's brother, uncle Don used to do it to me and my cousin Ryan. He would hold us down and wrestle us. He would hold us down in the yard and tickle us until, and so we would be laughing so hard, and then he would stuff our mouths full of grass. Jeez. Wow. And That's he, pretty creative. It, and it was... That's upsetting. And it was one yeah. of those Cross things... Cross the line there. I've never heard this before. It, it was one of those things that uh, we kind of delighted in it, and it would it would stop just at the point of terrible torture. Like, as soon as it crossed over the line to horror, it was over. Because I remember we loved to be tackled and tickled by him. Uh, and we, Uncle Don was our, he was like Han Solo. He was our, our, our most heroic relative of many. Yeah, you idolize Uncle yeah. Don. Yeah. But I mean, in the same way then, I would torment. Sure do things like that to my younger siblings. When we first started dating, you talked about Uncle Don so much that by the time I met him, I thought, should I be dating Uncle Don instead? <laughs> sounds pretty great. He'll stuff grass in your mouth. Yeah. That's pretty great. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, is it, it's sort of a, it's, it's a pack mentality. Um, and you, Nicole's right, like that, uh, at the time, that was the thing to call people was Jimmy's gay for any reason especially for somebody on the football team you yeah know? and it had nothing to do with the actual arithmetic or physics of actual homosexuality right. it was it was just an insult it was like any other slur right uh that had unknown repercussions it was just like i know that that's the worst possible thing well and also you're having you're in pu it's puberty and figuring out who you are. Yeah. So when it's someone not, tells you you are this, it's, it's not a bad thing to be gay, but you know that that's intended to be cruel, right? Well, because and, people are dumb. Sure. And, and, yeah. But at the same time, it completely fuels the rampant homophobia right. that I grew up. Yes. in. Yes, that's where it comes from. Yeah, it's all prejudice. Yeah. yeah. I wonder where the, my bullies are and what they remember. Mm. That's really, you know, I thought about writing a movie about it, but. I don't know. I can't get past like page five. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there have been movies about people who seek out their bullies to find out what yeah. what it was. I'd be very curious. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, I, I'm sure they're mothers and fathers, and they have kids and normal lives. And but it, if you know, here I am talking about it. I'm yeah. 59 years old. What was that movie about bullying? Sorry to go back to movies. It was that movie where. Um, they make themselves die. 
Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts. Oh. Flatliners. Yes. Flatliners. And that was about bullying. <gasps> Do you remember that? No. Oh, I remember was, that movie. It I was good. That. It was really good. And, it was uh, a good movie. Yeah, some of it was about that. How is it about bullying? That part I don't. It yeah. probably went over You'll my head. You'll have to see it. Let's but, watch it right now. Yeah. Well, I mean... Dad, you play Kiefer Sutherland. I, well, I'll take a swing at it. <laughs> Um, play Julia Roberts. <laughs> I feel like, though, the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we all, one way or another, ha- were bullied more than than being bullies, mm-hmm. and um, and we all ended up. What about creative the bully? Creating like, artwork mm-hmm. to try and promote empathy. But what life. are the bullies doing? Like they're not. <laughs> yeah, in, they probably turned into normal people. In both cases, the the, oh. the bullies that I've known as an adult are people who spend a lot of time trying to paint a picture of themselves as just the opposite mm-hmm. of that. Not so much with the theater director, but more so with the person I'm talking about that's more of a current thing. They spend a lot of time trying to um, put forward an image of themselves as a wonderful, caring person who cares the most, cares more about justice on the planet than any other person ever has. And they want everybody to know it. And I think that that's interesting. You know, it's sort of telling, not that you can't care about justice and be a wonderful person, because of course you can. Um, But I just think that it's interesting. They create, almost create a persona that they reflect out to the public uh, or to their friends and family or not to their friends and family as much as you know to people who they don't know my kid was bullied and uh it was an interesting um you know so i i talked to his mother um the bully's mother it was like in a basketball game and this kid was very quiet and my son came back and he was like he's saying this to me and i can't shoot and i'm no good and bullying me so I called up the mom, thinking she was normal, and she didn't have any empathy or believe me. She just—it—it it was crazy. Um, oh, wow. I said, right. "I'm so," you know. It, I said, "You know, I know there's two sides to every story. My kid is not an angel, mm-hmm. but something's happening here, and I hoped we could talk about it." And she said, "Well, that doesn't sound like him at all." Oh. And she shut it down. Wow. And whenever I saw her at school, she ignored me. A grown oh, person. Oh gosh. Yeah, well, an adult. Maybe it runs in the family. Yeah. Uh, if you just give me her address. <laughs> Please. That's all I want to say. And the me. others too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But do you think, here's the thing. So the, the field we've gone into in, in which we have talked about victims of bullying and bullies, I think it's safe to say that all of our recipes involve a certain amount of narcissism. And I feel like the, on the in the case of the bullies their narcissism perhaps has a toxicity to it. Like, I'm aware of mine, and I'm somewhat embarrassed by it, and so I try to do work that combats it, or mm-hmm. or that, you know... The fact that you know a part of you is narcissistic, you're ahead of the game, because most narcissists will say they're the least narcissistic person. Right, I think that's definitely you know? true. But yes, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Well, it's just, it's trying well, to parse, it because you, what you said is, that's the tricky thing is, uh, they all, they look just like us. You know, it's it's a fine line 
uh, which side of the and line. And they're usually, you fall on. as adults, they're very good at doing it, yeah. and they can even do it in front of other people without the other people necessarily noticing they're doing it because mm -hmm. it's things like the silent treatment or um, <clears throat> not making eye contact, just ignoring your the fact that you're alive on the planet, that kind of stuff that other people, unless they were really watching, it might be lost on them yeah. or just not, you know, not uh, supporting, you know, just not, yeah, just well, never making a gesture to... Right. It's it's easy to imagine uh, an unspoken Nicole Haters Club. And it and Right. And you know, in any given situation. Megan Haters Club. Yeah. 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 But I, I do think it, it comes from, you know, the narcissistic personalities are often involved, but it comes from a deep insecurity. And I guess we are all insecure. I mean, I'm very insecure in many ways and but my insecurity doesn't drive me to want to hurt others hurt or yeah, other climb person. on top of them so yeah. that you feel better. Put mm. yes, yeah. bring put them down, bring right. them down, keep them, try to keep them where you try to control. It's a control thing too. You want to keep them where you where they're not threatening to you or I don't know, but I <clears throat> I do think it comes from that as that also. Yeah, hilarious. Mm -hmm. Hilarious I thought jokes. this was a comedy show. <laughs> it's it is it's everything. It's in everything. It's sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's you know hitting the hard issues. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's part of the world. Like Nicole did this mature thing where her kid got bullied. She called the other mother. Mm -hmm. Turns out the mother is also an asshole. Mm. And How many years ago? Then it made that? me feel bad for the kid. Right. Yeah. I thought, oh, oh yeah. well, no yes. wonder you're a bully. You've got this yeah, creepy the kid mother. Maybe doesn't of course. Even know. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing that there will always be varying degrees of that in humanity. But the you know it's it's been talked about more and more, and now you know I'm aware that kids in school are, are hear about it in a uh, in a. Uh, um, institutional way, like they sit everybody down, like, okay, let's talk about bullying. It's not gonna, you can also tell kids to abstain from sex. And <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm not thinking about what my principal said when I'm trying to unhook your bra. <laughs> you can't keep kids away from guns either. I mean, you know, like toy guns and stuff. I yeah. see these parents, and, you know, if they can't get a gun, they use their hands, you mm -hmm. know, um, or, or anything they can grab onto a candlestick, it's a gun. You know. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. One other thing that occurred to me is there was also a kid uh, that I grew up with who was just a painfully, had terrible, I, I think, some social anxiety of some sort. Uh, but I mean, he was tortured by mm. it. And uh, he would wet his pants almost every day. <sighs> So it was a thing that everyone knew that there was extra pants for him. 
in the teacher's cabinet kind of thing. And he was, um, he was a neighbor and like, uh, our families were associated, you know, we weren't best friends, but like he, he was, uh, we were acquainted to the point where, and, and my, Megan will attest to my mom and dad are the, the most idyllic, uh, just the most decent people I've ever met through. Oh, really yeah. They're unbelievable. Exemplary, humble, hardworking, salt of the earth people. And so it, I'll never forget how, how much it helped me that f- from age like five or six, they were like, look, uh, this kid has this trouble. And just, you know, anytime you can just be next to him and just like let him know that he's okay. And so I understood, I, I got a lot of the map early on where I was like, okay, I would, you know, and it, I, I was never particularly heroic in any way. I, my, just because my mom and dad, I was able to say things like, hey, you guys, don't make fun of him or. Hmm. That's wh- heroic. You know, or sit by him on the bus or whatever. And and so I think I easily could have been a much huger asshole than I am. Not not that I'm... You're not a little asshole. Instead of my medium asshole level. But but, uh, I'll never... Like, lessons like that just are seared onto me, thanks to my mom and dad, who got it Mm -hmm. from their folks. And so... Well, I'm grateful that we we are creative people because we can then use whatever we do to try and entertain people. Of course, make them laugh and forget their troubles, but also more than that. slip in a little broccoli <laughs> into the pizza. I think that's yeah. part of the reason why I'm always I always try to be extra nice to fans, um, sign autographs, take pictures, whatever, mm. so they don't kill you. No, just because I when I was younger and I saw like my first Broadway show and I met one of the cast and they were nice to me. I mean, I think I would have been so shattered if they hadn't been. Yeah. But this, uh, what you you said made me think of something that's very key. When I was, I went to this private school in Oklahoma city, a very small school. We only had 79, uh, 69, sorry, 69, Nick, there's your number, 69 people in our graduating class. And, uh, there were the same strata of the cool kids and the nerdy kids and those people who are in between. I was kind of in all the groups, but um, the the cool kids, like the football player guys and the cheerleader girls were super mean. And um, then the smart, nerdy kids were constantly being harassed and abused and tormented by the, you know, quote unquote, cooler kids who weren't obviously cool at all. Um, and uh, we had my senior year, we had a psychology class, which we'd never had before. And we sat in a semicircle as you of course would in a psychology class. And it was really went from like the nerdiest person to the quarterback of the football team. (laughs) And I was like right in the middle and, uh, Something happened one day where the two cool guys uh, started, one of the the real smart nerdy guys said something and they started making fun of this kid. And I stood up and I had my big Norma Ray moment of my life, kind of where I tearfully gave a speech about why 
these bullies were so horrible. And I said, you know, these, you don't, this isn't contained just to this classroom or when you see somebody that you think is beneath you walking down, you know, a sidewalk at school and you say something horrible or do something horrible that doesn't just stop there. Like you don't know what's going to happen to these people. Like they're going to take this for the rest of their lives. And what are you going to take with you? You Uh know, this could damage them permanently for life. And yet you very cavalierly, just because you think you can, can, or you think it's funny or you can get away with it. You're idiots. You know, there's nothing about you that's better than these other people. They're smarter than you. You did that. Wouldn't you rather be smart? So what did these guys do? These cool people. They were pretty affected by it. I mean, because nobody would ever called them out. Yeah. And that was kind of one of the only like really great things I ever did. (laughs) That's that's a good thing. I was very nervous, obviously, but I I -hmm. just felt like I had to say something. Yeah, good. Well, that's badass. Well, thanks. Have we, uh, we've covered the subject. I'm so glad we talked about this today. I really am. I'm very excited about it. Good. Yeah. I think I'm glad that you, I don't, it's funny that you would even have that on your mind, but I'm um, glad. I know I'm not being bullied. I don't have any bullies in my life. Um, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but, and I'd like to think that I, I, I won't anymore ever. Yeah. You know, be drawn to that kind of person. Yeah. I think, you know, I think their parents were probably mean and stupid. Mm. You know, yes. I think it, it comes from something yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I think so. And it, and it's, you know, as long as human beings are in groups, it will always be a very relevant thing to talk about. Because look at our government and look and the way, like, we're very aware. We've been watching a lot of news, especially the last couple of years. And the news itself is being bullied by the figures in the government. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. bullying is yeah. very popular. Said so right that now journalism is politics. the problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. bullying yeah. journalists into silence, or yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, we got a big bully in the White House, mm-hmm. the biggest of all. And we're, you know, I wish he would just graduate so we can get on with our lives. Well, once <laughs> once this podcast uh, hits the airwaves, yeah, this will fix it. Should fix yeah. everything. Once people get a load of this episode, yeah, because we feel be strongly, and yeah, that'll make a big difference. Yeah. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> All right, dear listener, thank you so much for listening to yet another PCAST episode of the beloved number one podcast. In Bed with Nick and Megan, starring Nick Offerman, featuring Megan Mullally, with special, special, delightful, and beautiful guest star, the incredible director and screenwriter. Please go straight from this podcast to check out all of her movies, Nicole Holof Center. H-O-L-O-F-C-E-N-E-R. (laughs) H-O-L-O-F-C-E-N-E-R. Don't forget it. Have it tattooed on your body. That's right. H-O-L-O-F. C-E-N-E-R. Well, there you go. That's all you need. So catchy. Um, thanks, thanks guys. everybody. Good Thank night. In Bed with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. 
If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.